Hello and welcome to the Blueprint Podcast. Blueprint creates content revolving around the do's and don'ts of collegiate and scholastic esports while keeping our audience informed on the facts of the space. We aim to give people in the ecosystem a platform to air out misconceptions, call out bad practices, or just have a soapbox to stand on to discuss whatever is important to them. Your hosts, Andy and Mike, hope to build a healthier esports environment while simultaneously engaging in productive criticism and conversations with rotating guests. I'm your host, Andy Mendez, and with me today, my co-host as always, Michael Viznas, and special guest, Adam Antor from head coach of Aquinas, or you are the head coach, excuse me, of Aquinas Esports and a member of the NACE Competition Council. Welcome to The Blueprint. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for joining us. This is a, a kind of a special episode to me because I feel like, aside from the land, which we'll, we'll get to talk about in a little bit, I don't think I've spoken to you on the phone before. I think we did one signing at my school uh, for, for one of my students. And then, um, but outside of that, I feel like it's always Twitter. I don't talk to many people on the phone or voice. It's yeah, all through yeah. Twitter. So you're, like you're not common. alone. <laughs> totally common in esports right now, um, which is fine. I think I just I'm I don't know if I'm old school in the sense that I feel like a lot of the business conversations should definitely happen over the phone. I mean, you should still have stuff on writing, of course. Uh, it's very important. But anyway, Mike, how are you? You know, I'm doing good. Uh, still having those land blues. You know, after that exciting was it two weekends ago? You know, but enjoying the recreational esports space as always have a few things in the pipeline for you gentlemen to be watching out for over at gg leagues you know stay excited stay hyped uh but you know i always like to just jump right into it andy you kind of know me uh you know i don't have Go for it. shoot your shot man. i don't have the uh the style of just transitioning smoothly and adam's gonna learn that today that's okay <laughs> so guys i kind of want to just jump into it let's go into the gateway legends we had a great land experience it was really well ran i think all the teams there enjoyed the atmosphere had fun at the player level and even at the director level, finding new ways to connect with those at the pro level of the industry or grassroots level. But the one question, Adam, that I want to ask you is how did it feel when Clerky was eyeballing your players for a potential pickup? <laughs> I don't know if he knows that I noticed that, <laughs> but as soon as we beat the University of Illinois on main stage, I watch my players walk off the stage and I see Clerky go right up to our mid laner who just played an amazing job. Uh, former player of Andy's by the way. And uh, he's yeah, talking good old to Stevenator. him. Just, just name drop him. He'll, well, he'll watch this episode one day. Yeah. And I see Clerky <laughs> talking to Stevenator. I'm like, dude, what? Come on. Give me another year with this kid before you start plucking right. away. And then now we have audio proof that we saw, we saw this happen yes. and the discussion happened. Yes. Uh, and, I mean, I, I, it, it was a good feeling. I felt like there was validation for one of the top coaches and programs in the country. Um, and I, I, I think it was a good, it was a good feeling. I thought it was cool. I mean, it sounds like, I mean, Andy high school level, you know, Adam here, college level clerky sending some people to the pros. Is this a path to pro from collegiate? <laughs> I mean, I, I think we have a lot of naysayers, but I'm starting to see a pipeline here. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Adam? Uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have a player at Maryville yet. So the, uh, the path hasn't been established or um, created yet. But uh, I, I think we're seeing some type of talent pipeline. I mean, it started at the high school level. It pushes into the collegiate space at Aquinas and who knows what's next for some of my players? They've got a couple of years left for their degree still, so we're not rushing anything on the pro side. I mean, yeah, they could they could definitely like move on to a school like Maryville, or they can stick around and just win C Law. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Let's be honest. We've seen Kings topple. We watched that this year in C Law, right? So I mean, they hosted an entire land just to get back at a team. So I mean. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> very not true. Uh, Daniel Clerky, uh, someone who who I uh, beloved very much. Here comes the uh, backtracking scene. Uh, no, not at all. No, no, no. Fact is, he lost in Silo. I mean, that's just that's, that is what it is. And, and the, obviously, the the Invitational was not for that purpose, and it was in plans and in, in the works for a lot longer than that. Um, uh, however, I do want to ask. Speaking of the event, uh, as as Mike touched on, yeah, might have felt pretty good potentially to see 
uh, Dan Clerky kind of eyeing Steven Nader, but more so I want to know the feeling of the moment that you have captured in your Twitter profile picture now. Oh, the okay. moment, I believe, is, is, is a Steven Nader alt. Um, that and, and might have been one is, of the moments, yes. Yes, it is, it's a Cassiopeia R onto probably four members of the Alina Esports, uh, which uh, one of those students actually on the Alina Esports is also one of my former students. Um, and there, there is some some history between uh, Steve and, and uh, that support player Wakanari. So that was a really good storyline that I was, you know, kind of noticing in my head as I saw Steven Nader just wipe the floor with them at Game Three. Um, how was that feeling? That moment of jumping oh up, gosh. that hype that I, I that I've experienced certainly so many times before, and I know as a director, a former director. Uh, Mike has certainly as well. What was that feeling like? Could you describe to our listeners who are maybe not esports coaches or maybe not endemics? What is that feeling yeah. of like just just success? What yeah, is that? it's. I mean, the whole series was a roller coaster. I mean, we we drop a game. We this this forty minute battle that's just going back and forth, and you thought Illinois was ending the game, and then all of a sudden you have this five man Casio alt from Stevenator and we're heading the other direction uh, down to finish the game on the other end. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Um, and it, it's the same level of awesome, exciting feeling every time, no matter how many times we've gone through that type of uh, swing um, or uh, excitement. I mean, we, we felt the same thing with our rocket league team when we qualified for the national championship in NACE back in fall 2019. I mean, we were a no name team and we somehow re- took, took a, a series off of a team that should have beat us and we ended up getting a trip down to Atlanta. So like it, it's, it's a, it's a feeling I've had before. Um, and it's one of those moments that's just kind of uh, just drilled in your head and stuck there kind of going forward. Anytime you're reminiscing about what you've done in the, the last couple of years um, and, and to, to see my players reactions to that moment and to see the excitement on their faces when they realized what they had just done was something that I think is even cooler and even more stuck in, in my mind. Um, I could, so. cannot agree more. Absolutely. That, that is just, it, it, you did a really good job of describing that. And I will say I spoke to uh, one of the casters at the event. His name is Lennon white. He goes as Maisel. Um, he uh, said something really profound that I really agreed with, with that game. And he said, when you want to think about the hype of collegiate esports, and specifically collegiate League of Legends, if you want to see and feel and watch hype and just that underdog story, you watch game three of Aquinas versus <laughs> Illini. Like, that, that, is, that is the game to watch. Not only, he, he was like, not only from this weekend, but like possibly all time. He was, he was really just, just making profound statements about that game. And I, I couldn't agree more, honestly. Yeah. I could not agree I, more. I had a, another caster reach out to me after and say that she, she was thanking me for the opportunity she got to cast that moment and how amazing it was, like you said, from a story perspective, but also like just the excitement and the back and forth. And I'm like, I, you're welcome. I I didn't plan it, and I'm so glad we had such talented casters capturing the moment because it it might have been lost with someone not as as skilled or um, uh, uh, talented. So I I'm thankful to the casters for that. And yeah, it seemed for from her perspective, it was a very emotional experience because it's one of those series that you just you don't see very often. And it's one of those uh, highlight real moments for a caster as well as a player and for our program. So it was cool. It was really awesome. And to have it on main stage, I mean, out of all the matches we had three series, only one was on main stage, only one of, and and it was the only one on stream and that was the series. Uh, So you couldn't have written a better story there. Let's kind of go into that a little bit, you know, being on main stage, the comparable difference between main stage and, in that room upstairs, like how did you feel as a coach from flipping from that one room to the stage area? And what were your players thoughts, you know, from switching from that one yeah. to the other? I mean, it's a totally different experience and it's not one that I would recommend to any tournament organizer. Um, at the very least I, I requested hopefully in the future that we'll at least stream the, the other matches. Cause I, I had parents asking me, I had, other students at, in our program from other teams asking how, where to watch the match, and we couldn't find that. But from the the perspective of the player, it's just totally different. It's going from what you're used to in like a practice facility where you're kind of in a room with no spectators and no casters um, 
to going on in front of a couple hundred people on a stage uh, and you're facing that crowd and you're hearing the hype of the casters and there's just so much going on around you. And it's just a totally different atmosphere. And uh, it's, and it's that atmosphere that uh, we yearn to provide our players when we go to those types of events. Um, Cause it, you can't repeat that. Like in your lab, you just can't repeat that atmosphere. Do you, would you say that land experience being on that stage is, is something that every player needs to get comfortable with and ex- like, uh, familiar with similar to that of a football baseball or basketball player, you know, going on the field or the court for the first time. Is it comparable to traditional sports for the listener at home? I, I think it's very comparable to traditional sports. Now getting comfortable with it. I think at some point when you're, if you want to take this to the next level, yes, it's something you need to be comfortable with, but in a more simpler, uh, I guess request and what hope is that I hope that every collegiate player gets that type of experience at some point because those are the experiences that make a player fall in love with esports and specifically scholastic esports and organized esports and for me i know the first land event i ever went to is the moment where i fell in love with esports and decided that oh this is legit and i could take a full-time job in this and and whenever i talk to a parent it's uh, a parent that becomes um supportive of their player uh pursuing esports it's the moment that they walk into an arena um that's sold out for an esports event that they realize like okay this is legit and i hope my my hope is that every player experiences something to that degree um and i think directors and coaches could do a better job with that i think uh at a smaller um just simpler sense is like let's let's work to create more spectator experiences for our players it doesn't have to be traveling across the country to an event to get our parents the ability to watch in person. Um, and then, like, also from a strategic standpoint, like that moment, if a player has never played in front of someone, the anxiety and stress that hits you is going to be so crippling to some players. And it's something that I was worried about walking into that room was like, holy crap, four of my five players have never played on land before. And we're throwing them into the arguably one of the biggest stages in collegiate that's ever been created in events. Um, but they performed really well. So that was cool. No, I think the, the atmosphere was electric. I mean, throughout the entire length of the event, um, I think seeing the players walk off stage, especially the ones that was their first land event, um, you know, being a football player in high school, myself, the, the first game jitters, uh, coming on and going on and coming off the field was definitely there. You could definitely see it. <laughs> um, but it's, it is comparable to traditional sports. And for the listener that is still learning about esports and still trying to understand, you know, why is this such a big deal? Why do children like playing it? It's electrifying. Okay. It is, it is a sport. It is more mental than physical, but to deal with a room of people, to focus in on your craft and your game and to play at a high level requires significant mental fortitude in terms of just strategy and poise that an athlete in a traditional sense has to have and undergo when they enter the field or to enter the court for the very first time. And I agree with you, Adam, there needs to be more of these in-person events. It doesn't have to be such a spectacle of, you know, gateway legends. I don't think there's going to be several of those popping up once every Saturday, but I think as directors, you know, coming together and forming these events will be beneficial in the long run for collegiate esports and introducing more uh, people to esports overall, along with giving players themselves, high school and college, the opportunity to be involved in this electrifying experience, to understand what it's going to take to go to the next level. Because sometimes, you know, when you make that jump and it's your first LAN event, everything falls apart. But that's okay. That's a part of the learning, the learning curve right there. The question I want to go into, you know, we have these other LAN events that are coming up. What's one? that you're like, I can't miss this. Like, I, I want to go to this really bad. It's it's on my calendar. What event is that to you, Adam? Oh, boy. Um, it's hard to come up with one. I, I don't know if there's any that are going to reach the potential of, of, or, uh, of what Gateway Legends was, at least mm-hmm. at this point in time. Um, I think for me, I know that uh, our friend Chris, 
Postel, who's down in Cincinnati, um, is hosting a LAN event down in South Bend um, at one of the new esports arenas that I'm really excited about. It's first week of October. They're doing League of Legends, Overwatch, and Rocket League. So my whole program will be able to go down. And I think that'll be a really cool experience for them. It's only a couple hours away. Um, I think Hufest is probably on everyone's radar. Um, we'll see if we get the invite. Uh, and um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see what's announced. I think there's a lot of stuff in the works behind the scenes and no one's ready to announce quite yet. So I mean, I've, got, you- I've got my budget ready. <laughs> I mean, that's the one thing that I remember as a director. You you know these events are coming, right? But there's no calendar, right? You're you're no. like you're waiting with bated breath for the announcement, and then you have your administrators going, "Well, what's going on? What's the schedule look like?" But you you know <laughs> you know it's there. You just have to wait. Do you feel like that's a, still a problem? Oh my gosh, in, in collegiate yeah. esports, yeah, it's 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 absolutely a problem. I mean, in like April, my athletic department is emailing all coaches. All right, everyone put in your schedules for next year on this Excel sheet. And I'm staring at my computer saying like, okay, what do I do now? Uh, Because at that point, NACE was the only thing announced. They're trying to do better at announcing early, but nothing else is. And like most of the developers will come out like last week of August, announce their schedule and their season will start two weeks later. And, uh, here we're kind of just like left like what the heck are we doing so i i I think it's a problem i think it is a problem i don't know how you address it there's some things that prevent some um leagues from announcing licensing agreements uh whatever the publisher's working on they don't seem to decide on their final decisions until late um but uh I don't know. Hopefully it'll change at some point. Do you feel like this is going to remain a status quo for collegiate esports due to the problems that you made mentioned? Like, I, th- I think yes. Um, I think yes. Uh, if, if there's a large uh, organization that gets licensing long term, there might be a better opportunity for that to, to those like matches and schedules being announced earlier. But I, I don't think that's a short-term um, realistic expectation, in my opinion. I think there's there's just, like I said, there's the developers just wait a long time to decide their, their plans, sure and then they approve licensing agreements so, after that. So, um, you know, it's interesting. You brought up two very interesting topics. You brought up NACE, and you, brought, you bring up developers. Let's go for developers first. <laughs> um, you know, in terms of developers, they seem to just put their own foot in their mouth. And... They do this by restricting tournaments, coming up with guidelines that just look out of touch with both the scholastic and the collegiate side. What would you say, if you were a developer, what would be the best way to just offer opportunities to colleges to throw tournaments and to get engaged with their communities and maybe come up with more of a standardized schedule? Like, How would you kind of fix the problem if you were a developer? Say you're Riot. What would you do? Um. I think, first of all, I think your question is a little loaded. <laughs> You're pushing <laughs> us one way. But uh, so here's a, here's a couple things. I think, first of all, most of the developers who have people in uh, the role of collegiate or scholastic, those people don't have experience working at a college. They don't know Correct. what we deal with. Mm-hmm. They, they, they work under a certain set of expectations um, that are different than ours. So there's that. Um, I think the other thing is that it's important to realize that these developers value their brand and their product, and they don't want anyone putting out anything. Um, they want to make sure that it's it's quality. Um, the other part is that there's money in the space that prevents some developers from doing what they actually want um, based on licensing agreements that their companies have signed, uh, exclusivity stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's that also. Um I, I think most of us who are on the, the ground floor would agree that we'd want more autonomy from the developers in terms of providing opportunities for our students. But there's just a lot more at play than just let's give away all of our IP just so kids yeah. can play it. So, I yeah, go, go ahead. Uh, I, I can ramble on and on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's just more to play that we don't we aren't aware of, I think. A hundred percent. And Andy, I know you're trying to jump in. Just one more thing, Adam, before I kick it over to Andy for a little bit is 
when you look at a developer and you understand that there's that scholastic and collegiate space, understandable, you know, you have a brand in mind, you have an IP you need to protect and there's money to be made. Um, and then you try to attempt to create um, a scholastic board, right? A uh, collegiate board that is uh, composed of several uh, OGs, as a lot of people on Twitter like to say, that understand, you know, this collegiate space this collegiate space and they will represent the collegiate space, but you don't hear anything. You know, you don't see anything. There's no communication. I think a little bit of a middle ground. I gave you that loaded question. Let me just backtrack a lot and say, would you think the first step is if you're a publisher is to make sure that these boards, this RSAA, for example, is a little bit more activated, a little bit more commutative in those spaces. I think it's difficult for me to comment on that board. And I know that's super political answer, but like, I just don't know what they're doing. So yes, there's probably some more communication that they could do, but we don't know if they're under NDA for something big they're talking about, or uh, their hands are tied because of yada, yada, yada question or uh, uh, thing. Um, But uh, uh, I, I will say that it's interesting from a developer standpoint that for every level of competition, specifically in the pro scene, but anything above collegiate is viewed in the eyes of a developer as a marketing expense. But mm-hmm. most developers look at Scholastic or are treating Scholastic as a revenue generation uh, opportunity, mm-hmm. which is a complete 180 from what they how they've approached esports before this. Um, and and I don't know if the developers are taking a step back and saying, is is this exclusivity agreement that we're going to make money off of? Or is this uh, this example or this thing we're about to do? Is it really going back to what we desire out of our game and what we want to create within our community? Um, and, and is it a sustainable solution long term also? Like, are we are we alienating our players by making this decision? Are we? Are we discouraging players from picking up our game if we take this uh, this pick or, or do this thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that conversation is happening. It's funny you we're, we're talking about you know developers and their work in, in collegiate and or scholastic being um, not not necessarily mirrored, maybe almost opposite of of the thought processes of of anything above that. Um, and it's funny that we're, we're talking about it because earlier today, uh, Cody E, uh, Coach Evolve on Twitter, um, he, he tweeted something that, that kind of got a little bit of traction. I, I, really, I read it earlier and I, and I really resonated with it was uh, the biggest challenge right now in collegiate esports growth is not the league operators and organizations, but the developers themselves. They consistently handcuffed, handcuff entities trying to bring amazing land events and more into the space. Use your energy on swaying developers. Don't use your energy on groups trying to bring competition uh, uh, to the space. And then kind of continues on to talk about Psionic Studios, which is Rocket League, um, and, and imagining what world we'd be in now uh, if, if every developer was akin to Psionics in, in, the, in the sense of how much they support uh, collegiate and, and now you know soon uh, high school esports. It, it seems that a lot of developers do have that kind of backwards <laughs> mindset when it comes to Scholastic in particular. Um, but even those restrictions are not necessarily lifted on collegiate. Um, and it sounds like from his tweet, it, it does sound a little bit like uh, something happened in the background, or um, there's a developer that may not want to work with with him in Northwood. But um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's 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 a fair point. It's very valid. Uh, to say that you know people need to put their energy into the developers and kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, kind of push them forward into into thinking that you know collegiate and uh, scholastic can be marketing opportunities as well. That's where your your new fan base comes from, right? I, I don't I don't see what's so uh, black and white about that, right? Um, you know, you, you've get if your if your fan base and I'm talking about a specific game here, I, I, I challenge you to guess which one I'm talking about. If your fan base is dwindling among the younger uh, crowd and the younger generation of gamers, um, and especially when when high schools are now struggling to to field teams of of five, uh, that should give it away for your uh, esport. Uh, maybe you should be investing a little bit of and really, it's not even I I I, I'm gonna, I say this over and over again. People don't. 
ask for money in the scholastic space, at least for, for, for the state organizations. They're not asking developers for money to run tournaments. They're, they're asking them permission to play their game at this point. And it's ridiculous to me that a free-to-play game can have restrictions on how it's played in the high school level. Like, I understand it's organized play, but what, what are you protecting from your IP? You're really not. You're protecting how much money uh, you can generate from uh, a cash grab, essentially. And it kills the space. It, it, kill, it kills that level of play, my opinion. But yeah, I think I what we've been covering, covering here right now, and this very loaded, this very, I would say, interestingly toxic you know, type of view, is there needs to be things that are done at the publisher level. We all agree. We might not know what is going on behind the scenes. We might not know exactly how it needs to be handled, but we know that something needs to be done, both for the scholastic and the collegiate space. And I want to kind of transition into the really the next section here. And something that I was very interested in seeing, and I think this is a step away from the, what publishers can do, but the space itself can do. And it's the Star League. Uh, you see Nerd Street, CSL, Mainline, Nascent, everybody coming together to put on this supposed spectacular tournament. You know, I mean, this, this, this league. And so, you know, Adam, as a, as a part of NACE, I'm interested to hear, do you think this will kind of quell the scheduling issues that we were talking about earlier? And then the second question is, do you believe that this might be in support of helping the publishers understand the collegiate space better and how they can um, assist it a little bit more? Um, oh, gosh. All right. So first disclaimer, I don't speak on behalf of Nace. I don't work there. I don't sign NDAs with that or anything. I am privy to a little bit more information than general membership because I serve on the competition council and uh, we, we help with figuring out competition stuff. Um, uh, so there's my disclaimer a little bit there. Um, as for scheduling the scheduling qualms of collegiate, absolutely not. I mean, there's still six or seven leagues that operate every semester. We just went from seven to six now because C-Star League and NACE are combining basically for this, this coming year in terms of competition. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, it's also not a merger. Just put that out there. It's, it's a partnership. Um, I think it's generally a good thing. Um, uh, I think it's generally a good thing. Um but honestly, it's just going to come down to how the follow through this year. I mean, it could go either direction. It could be a total flop if um, NACE and CSL are on different pages and aren't organized, or it could be a really good opportunity for students and uh, clubs and varsity programs combined to get some good competition. Okay. Um, what was the second part of the question? Do you think this is more, this is a healthier approach? And mm. helping the publishers out understand the space. Uh, that's a difficult question, I think, to answer. I don't know if anyone really knows what the developers want. And I don't know if the developers know what they want. Money. Well, they, they want Adam money. Of them. Adam, they want money. Some of them, yes. But <laughs> I, I don't think a, they're I think always that's a simplified agree. answer. I, mm-hmm. I think most people that work at the developers, at least in Scholastic or mm-hmm. in their esports divisions, aren't just money hungry leeches. I think there are probably people above those people that might be a little bit more, but um, I've had pretty good conversations with most of the folks at the developers and they, their hands are just tied with some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as for like making a healthier place, I don't know about that, but it does give more legitimacy to NACE and CSL as they're approaching developers for licensing agreements and with ideas that they might have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might provide a more, a, a better sell to those developers. Um, but will, will it actually be as successful or form a healthy opportunity for developers to get more involved? I don't know. I think that's, that's difficult to say at this point in time. Um, but there, I mean, there's now four pretty, pretty significant companies within collegiate esports now forming a partnership mm-hmm. to put on competition 
Um, and they all have their own unique resources, their own unique funding sources, opportunities uh, around the financial stuff. And then also like uh, just the tools they have and the teams they have. So they, they have the ability to put on some really quality uh, programming for the collegiate space. And I think that is really important from a developer standpoint when they're deciding who to give licensing agreements to. No, I, I, I 100% agree. And a little bit of a defense to the publishers. When you look at a collegiate space, even when you look at the scholastic space, there's a lot of players. There's several different people that are creating the next esports company X here that does Y. And the amount of research that you have to do and protection of your brand to make sure that you give something to the right person to actually activate it, it's pretty scary. And so I understand from a publisher's point of view, it's not always about money. Sometimes it's actually finding that individual that makes sense for your brand and to be able to move forward in a, in a uh, positive way. And then in terms of just the viewers, yes, it's a merger of power, but it is a partnership. It is not all these companies have now fallen underneath one entity, and that is all that they are now. Um, just to kind of clarify on that and in support of Adam as well, he is just a member of NACE as his school <laughs> is a part of that. He does, member of the competition, yeah, of the competition council. council. He okay. like, but like every other school, he's no you know, be on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Adam is a very, Adam is a very nice guy. Please. Uh... We're just going to backtrack. Do not cancel him on Twitter. He's a very nice, <laughs> he's a very nice individual. But the one thing I want to ask you, you know, being a part of NACE for so long, you know, your school's competing in there um, and the hate that NACE gets. And I have to agree um, to a point, you know, the misrepresentation of some of these schools that go in there thinking that NACE is going to provide $16 million worth of scholarships or that there is over 250 schools a part of it to then find out, you know, there's only about 150 and to find out that NACE doesn't provide you know, $16 million worth of scholarships. You know, do you think, Adam, that maybe people are not reading things correctly or being misinformed or even falling into the, the Twitter hatred? Or do you believe that NACE could do a little bit better in terms of just clarifying things uh, to make sure that these new colleges are fully informed when they get involved into esports? Anybody can do better, first of all. I'm just going to say that all right. Anybody, anybody and everybody can do better. It's not just NACE. Yeah. It's, it's really not. So here, Go ahead, here's, here's the deal. Um, I, I think it's really important for people, even though the, the hardest fighting cheerleaders of NACE to take a step back and realize that there's nothing in this world, specifically in collegiate esports, worth dying on a hill for. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm, I'm. I'm as critical. I'm not as critical, I guess, as some people, but I'm I'm critical of Nace as well. Um, and like Andy said, like everyone could do better. I think there are instances that we can point to, and people have on Twitter where a uh, poor communication was used or poor language was used in selling materials, and it conveyed a message that wasn't as clear as it should be. Um, I think that's probably a fair place that we could. Um, agree to to stay stand to, together on i think nace has made a lot of mistakes in the past i think they continue to make some mistakes although my my hope is that with the competition council and the board of directors who are pretty heavily involved now that we're making less mistakes um we have kind of a direction to go i mean when some of that material was made there was one or two staff members at nace like this is not a massive office somewhere that has $20 million to spend on willy nilly. Um, this is two people. Um, and I think it's also important to realize that this was an initiative originally started by the NAIA, which if you're not familiar with is similar to the NCAA. It, it's, it does the same type of thing. It's come almost like a competitor to the NCAA. It's smaller schools. Um, my school at Aquinas, we're an NAIA school. Um, so the thought of if the NCAA adopts esports at some point, it won't matter for my school. We're an NAIA school. We'll probably still be in NACE or something similar to it. Um, so it's important for people to realize that too. Um, but uh, I think the one piece of crit criticism I do would pose to people on Twitter who are critical of NACE, it seems like almost every day, is that I think they are that they, they look for any reason to to throw out shade 100%. towards NACE. 
Um, and sometimes though that the shade that they find isn't accurate um, or the standpoint that they're coming from is not quite accurate. So um, I, I think they get probably more hate than they deserve, but I'm not going to stand here and say they never made a mistake because they, they, they have, and they still do. Um, but we're working to improve the space. And most of the people involved in NACE want the same things that everyone else wants. We want to provide opportunities for students. We want to help curate competitive opportunities for students and uh, for students to improve. Um, and I mean, we say NACE is a member driven institution. It, it really is. Um, members get to decide most of the stuff. I mean, obviously with your staff members, they're still making decisions independent of us. Um, but I don't know. I, Do you, I, I think we're hype. Some people are just too, I think a little too critical of NACE. Um, I mean, there are plenty of other organizations in collegiate that we could probably be more critical of. Do you believe that this NACE Star League coming together with all of these companies is NACE's way of saying we messed up, we hear you, um, and we're going to move forward together and we invite all of you uh, to kind of be a part of this adventure, even if you're not a part of NACE, like you get to go through CSL. Like, do you believe this is like the first steps to the the new version of NACE? No, I don't think it's any way an apology for anything. I don't think there's anything they need to be apologetic for. I mean, we learn from our mistakes and we move on. But I like that answer. Um, yeah, I, do. I really like that but, answer. I mean, I, I think it was just the conversation to come together as those, those four entities just made sense. I mean, up until this, like even this past year, the members of the competition council were acting and NACE staff members like the executive director, Michael Brooks and competition uh, manager, JJ Myers. Like we were acting as your tournament admins every day. So like we each had game titles and we were online two nights a week acting as the admins for those competitions. And that's just not a sustainable model either. And that's not what we want to achieve. So CSL had the team to act as admins. So that works. I think CSL needed an opportunity to get kind of ingrained in some of these varsity programs. I think they've fallen out of favor a little bit on a, on a national level, in my opinion, um, especially from a varsity standpoint. And I think this was a good opportunity there. Um, they both can share the costs of mainline, which was a huge expense that they were both looking at. Um, and this is an opportunity to, to share that. Um, and then Nerd Street has all these local hosts, land centers that, they want to to use and activate collegiate events at. Um, so it, it all just kind of like made sense uh, to come together. Um, there's still, I mean, there's still going to be, there's still details that have to be worked out. I think it's pretty safe to assume that revenue sharing is probably a hot topic that hasn't been agreed upon at this point long-term and hence why they only have a one-year partnership. And it's a, it's mm -hmm. a test in that regard. Um, but yeah, I don't think this was an apology from NACE to like, who do we partner with to get everyone to like us again? I, I don't think they're looking for that. As Andy said, I love that answer. You know, this <laughs> is not, this is not an apology. And um, there's several conversations that are on Twitter. And I think every day that we wake up, gentlemen, um, there's a new, there's a new storm in collegiate, <laughs> and, you know, and, and everything's on fire and NACE is always in the center of it and people are hating on it. Um, and that's why this podcast, um, you know, exists. And I think I say this once a, once a pod, Andy, and I, I, I apologize. That's all right. So, but, you know, sometimes people might jump in mid season or mid, uh, <laughs> mid you know, mid, uh, yeah, I think it's fine. But I, this is, this is an opportunity to say, um, it's okay to have your hot take. It's okay to not like something, but to try to force anybody into, or, or, or I would say uh, one of these tournament organizers into an apology as they're learning and they're growing and they're trying to improve and they're being honest about it. You know, they understand the mistake and they're moving forward to correct the mistake. And we have to give everyone sort of their due and their ability to improve. Uh, there comes a point in the collegiate atmosphere where, I mean, even for myself in the earlier conversation for the publishers, you can dog on something, but to a logical degree. And I think in terms of this partnership, we are seeing, you know, it's, it's not an apology, but it's a growth uh, of NACE, understanding that we need to connect with others within the community. We need to provide the opportunity for other colleges through CSL that might not be a part of us, but to learn about us, to be educated about us, to see what we're really about. 
Um, on, on top of that, nurtured it with the local host. I think that's going to be fantastic. We just spoke in the beginning of this podcast about the unique way to have more events that are going on, to connect a little bit more as directors, maybe not every Saturday, but once in a while to get together. And Nerd Street's local hosts is that first step, that baby step, dipping your big toe into the ocean of I don't know, to understanding, hey, there's a lot out here. We can get together, we can communicate, and we can uh, grow as a collegiate industry. And I would like the viewer at home, when you're looking at Twitter and you see Nay say something and you're about to click and clack like Kermit, take a step back, you know, really, really absorb it in and maybe reach out to CSL, NACE, I would even say Nerd Street, and figure out if there's a way that you can have a conversation to understand it a little bit more or even go to their website to learn a little bit more. Don't just pile on to the comment section and just put everybody on blast. However, there are times that I will say that they deserve it and it is rightfully so. And I, I think the biggest thing um, that my gripe with NACE was the misrepresentation of the $16 million of scholarships because several universities believed or were under the impression that NACE was providing these scholarships. And I think that could have been a simple uh, misverbiage. I think that could have been a breakdown of a communication in terms of a business um, setting or formal communication and like we're having right now. Um, but everybody is learning. Everybody is growing. And to be honest with you, when you step into esports for the first time, the amount of things that you misunderstand is ridiculous. And so we're coming to the end right now. And Andy, I know you always want to hit Adam with some of your hot takes from Twitter. So I'm just going to pass it back to you. And, you know, <laughs> you get to go rapid fire on him. Well, you know, this is an unfortunate uh, way to transition into this because I feel like you sat here and laid into Adam for <laughs> 35 minutes. It's like I watched oh, a, like someone get beat up. <laughs> Adam. Uh. You know, oh, I, I think what's really interesting is that I've I've got I went head to head with some people on Twitter and there are some people that I never would have thought we would have found anything in common. But as soon as I have some type of private conversation or even like meet someone in real life at Gateway Legends, like it totally shifts to being like, oh, this is a real person. And like we actually so agree true. with most like we agree so on most things. So look, I, I'm going to talk about mine. You don't have to say if this is the same person or not. But when I met Troy oh. uh, in person, I was like, you are like the nicest person in the world to talk to in real life. But on Twitter, you're kind of a jerk. Like, yes. I, I told him straight up. I was like, I was like, I tweeted at you once. I, I tweeted right underneath him um, because he posted a screenshot of a, like something related to Nace um, right under a Michael Jones tweet. Right. And I'm like. You have a folder. You, I, I asked him, you must have a folder saves of all these things. I Just was there. I was there. Every Definitely time was. Michael Jones. And he literally said, yeah, I've got them all in a folder on my desk. <laughs> I was a witness. I was, like, yeah, I was like, okay, well, now that completely, like, it, the, the shade that I was throwing at him was completely true. But in a way, like, I, I, I got to understand him a little bit more. And I got to understand his frustrations and his gripes a little bit more. And it made total sense. Every, everything that he was saying makes total sense. Um, especially in person. I think on Twitter, people get heated. It is what it is. And also, you know, Twitter is a platform not necessarily made to uh, have long-winded uh, conversations or, or uh, uh, long thoughts uh, just because things can get cut off or subtweeted. And Tell that it's just a whole else. mess. Tell that to yeah, every well, collegiate director. That is where supposedly communication should always be had in essay format. Well, <laughs> and, and, and well, well, like we said, the tweet that said, this is healthy, and I don't remember who exactly it was in the collegiate industry that said this, but someone in collegiate esports, some profound, said, um, this is how we grow, is, is having these long tweets on Twitter. And Mike and I talked to each other that day, and we're like, I think it would be better in audio format. <laughs> That's just kind of how we ended up doing this. Yeah. I, and, and like personally, I kind of envision having multiple guests on at once that have differing opinions. Like I may, We may even ask you to come back to talk with Troy on the podcast, and that might Let's be like a... It. And that might be really interesting. Like I, I, I haven't run this by uh, uh, Mike yet, but I'm I just already feel like... into it. <laughs> All right, cool. There's probably more. There's probably somebody else that we would like. We'd actually butt heads a little bit more. Like me and yeah, Troy. Okay. We I met Troy like pretty early on in my time at Aquinas. So like, he could only fake his 
his Twitter vibe for about six <laughs> months, and then I met him in real life. I'm like, Troy, this you no, <laughs> you he's can't really be. Nice. Yeah, no, he he's, is yeah, super nice, and yeah. he. he he comes from the same place that I come from with like this passion for his students and competition. And uh, like, like I said, we usually find pretty, pretty common grounds with any conversation I have in person. And uh, definitely. Yeah. Troy would be uh, interesting to have on. He would. And, and I feel bad because he was talking to me uh, and I was also watching that game three um, of, of, of your team versus Illini. And I was like screaming in his ear because I was yelling. <laughs> I was, I was about a, a story above you uh, yelling my head off. Um, and like after game two, Steve texts me on, on discord. He goes, look, look at the stage. And I like made eye contact with him to give me a thumbs up. Nice. <laughs> I was like, all right, nice. <laughs> but no, I was, I was super hyped for that game, but I do have a Twitter. Um, this is, this is not a hot take necessarily. Um, I, I found something on Twitter that I just like, for you to kind of explain a little bit more. Um, if you ever watch Hot Ones, this is totally exactly like that. Um, I just really want you to explain a little bit more about this tweet. Uh-oh. So, <clears throat> I'm gonna, yeah, everyone says, uh-oh. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Adam Antor, July 7th, 2021. This is a super vague and slightly aggressive tweet about a collegiate esports governing body. Uh, tweets appreciated. <laughs> I've cracked the code to getting insane engagement on Twitter. Where did oh you get that idea, gosh, Adam? Bro. Uh, that one was in response, and I'm going to call him out. I've never actually talked to him, so I might be burning a bridge here. But uh, the, Dylan, the um, CEO of Uconnect, uh, I saw his tweet about uh, – he was talking about – I don't know. It was about Nace and how – Nace is such a terrible thing for collegiate esports, yada, yada, yada. And it was just like the, it's probably like the 30th tweet I've seen from somebody on the space that's like, Nace sucks. And then you see like 50 retweets, 100 likes, and you're like, what the, what? what? No, what are you talking about? I don't know. And I got quite a bit of engagement from that one. So I'll tell you, it works. Yeah. And uh, I think at this point, you may have. Oh yeah, more no. likes. Oh. I think you have more. You have more likes on Twitter than that post does. Oh, um, oh yeah, no, <laughs> than, if you want to get into esports, you just need to hate on a few things, and the first thing is just <laughs> nace, and you become an expert overnight, and you get a million followers. Like, that's or it. if you're in, if you're in Scholastic, uh, you hate on play versus. But I mean, <laughs> let's Seriously, be real. No, that, seriously that's there's founded, like three but... tweets you can tweet and guarantee that you'll get fifty likes and ten retweets. <laughs> so, oh yeah, so it's, those it's, are two of the topics. Right, it's 100%. Nace, play versus, and then asking for a new header or uh, it, uh, yeah. new graphics. All, all of a sudden, all the graphics designers come out of the woodwork, and they're like, yeah, I DM'd you. And it's, it's every every one of them. Um, and, and I just want to ask, is this the tweet that uh, Dylan posted? It is, uh, quote, I will say this. There is something coming out that will put an end to all this fake governing bodies crap once and for all, led by true OGs of the collegiate esports, of collegiate esports, excuse me, that none could deny are the Man. best people to run in this ecosystem stay tuned and then in parentheses i'm not a part of this just a fan uh that might have been it i don't even remember which one it prompted <laughs> maybe it was that and that tweet is just so full of cringeworthy garbage <laughs> in my opinion and i'd love to hear dylan's rebuttal because like if i was <laughs> if, if i wanted to be seen as like the old wise owl in collegiate esports. I would type this exact same thing. There, there's a bunch of OGs coming in, and they're gonna make big stuff and make big waves. Retweet <sighs> yeah. this. And you're like, oh, yeah. what? That's so vague. You're clearly like, I don't know, man. I, I'm, so, so I'm the, sure we'll. The, if me and Dylan get a conversation or a chance to talk, I'm sure we will find plenty of common ground. I love what he's doing with you Connect. I've attended some of the panels they've hosted. It's really cool stuff. But the nice hate and the these vague <laughs> like, hey, I have the insider scoop. You're like, really? Like, really? Are we grasping at straws or something for here for this? Unfortunately, one of the quote OGs of the uh, esports industry uh, has kind of revealed themselves as being a part of this, um, which is would be Dan Clerky. Oh, Dan! No, is it? No. Is it my- what? I don't know. Uh, I don't know what an OG uh, is. Tell me what an OG of collegiate uh, sports listen, is. Listen, listen, okay, listen. so if my picture comes up and this has happened before, if it comes up and I'm on something, I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> All right, but if you guys have ever listened to Ninja Sex Party and there's one song I don't know what we're talking about, that will be my face. I don't know what's going on. I. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, they, people people use your face for likes. I, I hate. I, you know, one of the things I do really hate is any anything in esports that is like, "Hey, the OGs are coming back," or it'll ne- the OGs <laughs> are the only ones who know the real thing. And it's all BS. And I, it. it just frustrates me because it's a form of gatekeeping. Like it is. Oh, there, yeah. there is yeah. so much talent and opportunity that hasn't been here for seven years for whatever reason. And by just saying, oh, you're not an OG or you weren't here at the beginning or only the OGs know what's up. Like that is just to me, just a form of toxic gatekeeping. And I really don't like that. Like, yes, there's probably there are people out there with a lot of knowledge and experience over the last six years. Sure. That know more than most of us. But there's so much more talent than that. There, there's, there I really completely is. agree. And, and Adam, unfortunately, we have to cut your time short. Um, not, not time short. We have it's gone so over our time. But uh, there, there was a little bit more that we wanted to get into. But that just means we need to absolutely have you on again. Um, and p- possibly with a, a special guest. Maybe yeah. Troy, maybe Dylan. Oh Who knows? Gosh. That'd or be an interesting just... uh, uh, conversation with Dylan. <laughs> like I said, I've never <laughs> talked to him before. So that could be awkward. <laughs> If you trust us enough, maybe we'll just not tell you who you'll be on with. And then you'll show up and you. you'll just be there. Oh, thanks, Adam. <laughs> well, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, is there anything else that we, we'd like to talk about? I think real quick, um, if I'm going to give you 60 seconds to say anything or anything and everything about esports that you want. This is your soapbox to stand on. You have yeah. 60 seconds starting right now. What is it that you want everyone in the esports industry, anyone who's going to listen to this podcast to know? It could be. Uh, it could be advice. It could be just information. It could yeah. be promoting yourself. What is it? Number one, Go. it's pronounced Aquinas College. Uh, <laughs> and I think just be a resource. Be, help, help your local high schools, help other colleges. Just be a resource and be, be a valuable resource and help, help grow the space. Because uh, like Clerky likes to say, like when the tide rises, all ships rise as well. So uh, help everyone. I th- and I think that's also great advice and memes aside. I think really it's, it's, it's great advice. Lifting other people up uh, and lifting as you climb, right, is, is the term. So, um, Adam, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast with us. We really appreciate what you do in the industry and also, uh, you know, how, how talented you are. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, it was a, it was so a pleasure. Mike, any last words? All I'm going to say, uh, make sure you guys check out Nace. Adam will be speaking for the Recruiting 101 uh, section. He'll be a part of that panel. Uh, give everybody a fair shake. Do your research at home and always tune into this podcast because we're going to have the hot takes and the hard hitting questions. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.